Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. We're so glad you have joined us for this audio sermon. You can find a full archive of sermons on our website, holycommunion.net. This sermon was preached by our priest associate, the Reverend Mark Smith, on the third Sunday after Epiphany, January 24th, 2020. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Just a few days following our national celebration of the life and ministry of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., and only a week before we began the commemoration of Black History Month, this morning's gospel invites us to join in perhaps one of the best-known features of historically black churches and preaching, call and response. Best described as spontaneous verbal and nonverbal interaction between a speaker and listener in which the statements, calls, from the speaker are punctuated by expressions, responses, from the listener. You know what I mean. The preacher asks a question of the assembled faithful. In the affirmative, for example, the response is typically arousing, Amen. In response to pain and sorrow, it might be, No, Lord, no. And in joy, it's often, Thank you, Jesus. Call and response. Giving God glory in the midst of trouble and triumph. And to that, dear friends, we too say, Amen. Now, while most of us associate this distinct pattern of proclamation and praise with the life of the church, its roots and meaning reach far deeper into our history and are manifest well beyond worship. In fact, its origins are not religious at all. For hundreds, if not thousands of years, African cultures have used call and response as a principal means of democratic participation in public gatherings, civic affairs, and music. Its purpose was to give everyone, not just leaders, a voice in the activities and life of the community. Not surprisingly, call and response gradually began to gain prominence in another dimension of the community's shared life, its religious celebrations. But let's be clear, this was not the result of Christian evangelization. Rather, it grew out of the life and needs of indigenous African communities as their culture and social institutions developed. Long before slave owners and masters began their attempts at Christian conversion in the United States of the 17th century, any number of authors had already observed the pattern of call and response among those just arriving on ships from Africa. The Christianity that gradually became embedded among the slave community reflected a complex mix of both the language and hymns of the church and the traditions of worship handed down for generations, a practice which has been refined in the centuries that have followed and still is prominent today. Although call and response is closely identified with the history of African cultures and the preaching in black churches, it also has precedence in scripture. And today's gospel punctuates just that point. 
Mark's text begins with the troubling reminder that John the Baptist had been arrested. To be sure, exercising a prophetic voice is frequently not well received. We then learn that Jesus traveled to Galilee, not to Jerusalem, the seat of religious and political power, but to the rural backwater of Galilee. And finally, we're told that he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God. While the evangelist Mark will have more to say about the kingdom of God later, in this first chapter of his gospel, he focuses on just three points. First, we're to understand that in the birth and ministry of Jesus, the reign of God has already begun. The good news is that God has made himself humanly present in our world. He has placed the weight of our lives on his shoulders. And the time we are to embrace it is now. Not some hoped for time in the future or in heaven. God is here among us, present in each of our lives. Mark's second point regarding the kingdom of God is that it requires our engagement. We need to listen attentively. We need to absorb fully and we need to change. As Mike reminded us the past two Sundays, we need to convert to turn our lives from being absorbed by our personal worries and concerns to the God in Christ who will bear them on our behalf. Finally, Mark calls us to action. And we are to respond not to miracles, not to healing, and not to preaching, although each attempts to touch our hearts and souls. No, we are to respond simply because Jesus calls us. Mark then continues by illustrating this actionable spirit of the kingdom of God in recounting Jesus' call to Peter and his response. Interestingly, the text describes what would appear to be a chance, casual meeting. Jesus didn't journey to the Sea of Galilee. He was simply passing by. It wasn't his destination, just another place he would pass through. The fishermen he encountered, Peter and Andrew, seem equally unremarkable. <laughs> they didn't own a bait and tackle shop. They didn't even have a boat. They were humble, poor men, struggling to make ends meet by fishing from the shore. So the setting of our text is a chance encounter between Jesus and two men going about their daily business. Now Mark provides us with no idea what Jesus was thinking or what specifically triggered his call, his invitation to the two brothers. What we do know, however, is that Peter and Andrew responded, responded immediately and followed him. Now that, dear friends, is call and response. As is Mark's style, he wastes no words and moves at breathtaking speed in his description of Jesus' life and ministry. And this morning's text is no different. Although we'll learn much more about the subtleties of the kingdom of God in the weeks and months ahead, today we are given both the outline and a concrete illustration. Recall that Jesus' mere presence on earth, his life among us, is the evidence that a new world order has been inaugurated. 
The reign of God is in the here and now, not in the sweet by and by. Just as Jesus entered into Peter's and Andrew's lives, so too do we understand in this season of Epiphany that Jesus has broken into ours. Jesus' call to these first two disciples also characterizes another dimension of God's kingdom, engagement. They listened to him, and so too are we summoned to listen to him. In scripture, in the gentle and comforting words of forgiveness and absolution, in his command that we eat and drink in remembrance of him at this table. But most important, Jesus' call required, demanded a response. For Peter and Andrew, and later James and John, it was to drop their nets and follow him. It was an act of instant, total submission, based on neither knowledge nor experience with Jesus. To be sure, we enjoy the witness of 2,000 years of faithful reflection on who this Jesus actually was and is. But no different than those first disciples, we too are called to respond in total submission to the reign of God, to join Jesus in lives to be lived in the very heart of God as fishers of women and men, to share the good news of Christ among us with the entire world. To be sure, dear friends, I am not a call-and-response preacher. In fact, I suspect few Episcopal priests, regardless of color, regularly employ this style. However, that does not mean that the call-and-response to which this morning's gospel speaks is lacking in our worship. So think about it. Our services begin with a call to worship. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we respond and blessed be his kingdom now and forever. The collect is introduced with the Lord be with you, and you respond, and also with you. We confess our sins in response and hear God's unequivocal forgiveness. And we close our worship giving thanks for being called and sent to minister to the world. This past week, however, I've also been reminded the profound way in which call and response are manifest in our public life. After four turbulent years, our nation anticipated the call of a newly elected president. Would he summon retribution for insurrection? Would he demand institutional and personal accountability for the hundreds of thousands of avoidable COVID-19 deaths? Would he unleash vigorous federal investigations of potential illegalities committed by the prior administration and its supporters? And regardless of what President Biden called us to in his inaugural speech, how would followers and opponents alike respond? Last Wednesday, we learned much and heard much. We learned from President Biden that we're summoned to reject lies, falsehoods, and misinformation. We're summoned to unity grounded in accountability, political responsibility, and a shared hope for the future of our country. 
and were summoned to restore the better angels of our nature in our public dialogue. Much like Peter and Andrew, James and John, we now must decide how to respond. Business as usual, or a new chapter in our democratic experiment. May God grant us the wisdom to engage our better angels. May God grant us the grace to embrace those who, with whom we've quarreled. And may God give voice to our response to this national call as together, as the people of faith, as the church, we say, Amen. <laughs>